Good morning, afternoon, evening. Welcome to the 8311Cast, episode 59, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. On this week's episode, your hosts Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and White Teeter are going to be talking to you about college football, college basketball, the NFL, and of course, our signature segments, Who's Pissed Off, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions. Look at that, you even had the, uh, the addition of Who's Pissed Off this week. That's because we just kind of, we made it its own segment, actually. Normally we, like, tack it on to something, you know? Uh-huh. And no, sometimes it's just kind of random, like, I'm talking and then I get upset about something and then it turns into a segment. That's that happens week. all the time, too. Yeah, pretty much. But I can get upset though. about a lot of things. I'm good at getting upset. That's one thing I'm good at. So, you know. Do you know what else I'm good at? What's that? So, Celebrating Cyclone football trips to the Camping World Bowl. Yes. How do we know? How do we know you're good at celebrating that? You got to trust me, Kyle. Trust me. Whenever I have a steered you on, Kyle. A lot. No, we're gonna gonna have to talk about that later because I disagree. I always give you good advice. It's good advice. Anyway, the Camping World took bulk. Took good advice. When they picked Iowa State to go to the Camping World Bowl, they will be playing the University of Notre Dame Fighting Irish. It will be the first ever matchup between, first ever football matchup, I should clarify, between Notre Dame and Iowa State. It's already causing some contention in uh, my office. So we have quite a few, both Notre Dame and Iowa, and Iowa State grads in the office. So causing a little contention already. We'll have to see how that plays out over the next two weeks. But, yes, first ever matchup. Uh, the early line has Notre Dame as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I think that's probably about right. I mean, Notre Dame is 10-2. and two. They're ranked, what, like 15th, 16th, something like that? 16. So they're a really good football team. ESPN's FPI gives them a 32.5% chance to win. So gives the Cyclones, not Notre yes, Dame. Uh, yes, gives the Cyclones a 325 32.5% chance to win. So um, I think a three-and-a-half point line is about right. I don't think there's any disrespect to the Cyclones in that game. I think it'll be a really interesting game. Uh, give the seniors, especially on that offensive line, one more chance to prove themselves against a really a blue-blood program, right? That's really what Iowa State should be relishing here, to be on a national stage with a program that's relevant nationally. Nothing against Washington State and Memphis, the last two bowl game opponents, but they don't have the same national following and name recognition as Notre Dame does. This this bowl game will get watched all over the country for no other reason than it has Notre Dame in it, and it'll be big that the uh, it'll be big for the Cyclones to to show up and show the show parts of the country that otherwise wouldn't watch them that they are back. They are not the Iowa State teams of my early time at Iowa State. It's also the game that precedes the college football playoff, like in TV schedule timing. Yes, 11 o'clock, Saturday, December 28th. I guess that's probably important information we should throw in there. Yeah, 11 o'clock Central. Central, yeah. This is We are a Midwestern-based sport podcast, Kyle. Just because you leave the Midwest doesn't mean we lose our Midwestern roots and just assume that everybody knows when we say a time at Central time. Kyle, don't be so entitled that you think we should care about what time zone you're in. But people do care. But another another segment of people who actually care 
are the is the entire fan base for Iowa State because it has been reported already by Jamie Pollard that the athletics department has already sold out three charter planes of fans to Orlando for this bowl game. So going to be an absolutely great turnout uh, for the Cyclones. And one of the reasons why Iowa State was picked um, indeed to go to this bowl game is sheer like the sheer ability of the entire fan base to travel. This team travels well, uh, or the fans travel well with this team. Um, that's been the case uh, for the previous two bowl games in which they have all played now in three consecutive years, uh, top 25 teams. So great national exposure and spotlight for the Cyclones. The other thing that really helped this team get to the Camping World Bowl is the fact that Oklahoma did indeed make the college playoff, which they made it in at number four. And this is a perfect segue into the college football playoff. The field has been set. If you follow our Instagram page, you saw the breaking news as I posted it about three or four minutes after the news occurred. On Kyle, ESPN. shouldn't you have been doing homework? Why are you maintaining your Instagram when you should have been doing homework? Hey, when you have dedication to a podcast and you are a co-host, sometimes you disregard all studies to get out the pertinent information to your true followers and fan bases so everybody knows. So the playoff is set. LSU I mean, was everybody picking. knew what it was going to be before it was official, right? You're, after you're the right. after the well, conference okay, championship so, games, it was obvious. So the I mean, I mean, the only the question biggest, was how they were going to seed. LSU and Ohio State was the yeah, only yeah. question Every, needed to be that's, answered. Everybody okay. knew who the four teams were. You're cutting me off. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's my job, the, Kyle. The only determination uh, in the top four ranking was who who has to play Clemson as the three seed. Does LSU have to play Clemson or does Alabama have to play Clemson? Also, who Time gets – which team gets Time the out. closest – Alabama didn't make the playoff. Ohio State has to play Clemson. Yep, Alabama has it. didn't make the playoff for the first time since its creation, which is fantastic. That's a different topic. But LSU did get the number one overall seed. They also get the closest uh, bowl game to their death to their uh, home state, home uh, campus. Um, so they will be playing in the the Sugar Bowl, right? I don't know. I just threw my phone on the ground, so it's going to take me a little longer to look it up. And then. Uh, Ohio State and Clemson play in the uh, Fiesta Bowl in Arizona. Yes, they have to. If you're the two slash three seed, you have to travel further than if you are the one seed. So that's the way it works. Or technically, they could choose to not travel further. I mean, basically, the number one seed gets the choice. You have to choose what ball game you want. Um, and, I mean, you're going to choose the one that's closer. Um, the LSU-Oklahoma yeah. game is the Peach Ball being played in oh, Atlanta. Peach right. So they do go back to Atlanta for another game as they previously just played the SEC championship game there as well. But since the field is set, we're going to get a quick prediction of what your 8311 cast hosts uh, think of who is going to win the college football playoff. First, your uh, college football playoff final game, like the championship game, pick the two people and then pick the winner. Or two teams, not two oh, people. Now you're going off. I pick uh, Joe Burrow and Chase Young. 
Those two. Okay. I just want to see those two play. Who's going to win? Okay, that's fine. That I like that actually. As Joe, as uh, Chase Young will have the ability to actually get after Joe Burrow since he can't really do that in the Heisman uh, race right now. So, True. yeah. Anyway, are you leading us off or am I leading us off? Or is Wyatt leading us off? Let me Wyatt. do it because I have probably the worst picks. We got. I have Oklahoma versus pick o- Clemson with I was Clemson about to say winning. You pick Oklahoma. No, no, they're, they're Oklahoma not over Clemson. No, he's no, got Clemson, Clemson over Oklahoma. Oh, okay. But when he said he had the worst picks, I was like, oh, he's not going to actually pick Oklahoma to win the whole thing, is he? No, goodness, no. They don't stand a chance. I would, I would like to see Oklahoma upset LSU. I think that would be amazing to see from a, a Big 12 conference perspective. I mean, I think it would be cool, but it's not going to happen. But I, hey, man, upsets can happen. They're two touchdown underdogs. That, you guys like didn't the, think that Iowa State was going to go to the Camping World Bowl. We're going to talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, we are. Don't jump ahead. Don't jump ahead. You're jumping the gun. That's how people get hurt. You keep talking and give me your picks, Mike. Yeah, uh, we're definitely picking LSU to win that first game. I mean, I think it's the most lopsided line. It's the second most lopsided line of any bowl game, I think, that uh, that uh, LSU-Oklahoma uh, game is. So we're picking uh, LSU. Then we are going to go with hmm, – that's a really tough one between Clemson and Ohio State. I'm going to go with Clemson and then LSU over Clemson. That's my pick. LSU All right. over so this this is super easy. Joe Burrow is going to steamroll Jalen Hurts in Oklahoma. OU defense isn't anything worth to, worth of noting uh, in this game. And um, Clemson is going to absolutely dismantle Ohio State, and Clemson will repeat as national champions. So you got Clemson over LSU. So we all think Clemson's going to beat Ohio State, and you two think Clemson is going to win the whole thing. So basically... Okay, that's interesting. Basically, I'm going to win if LSU wins, and you guys are going to win if Clemson wins, and if somebody else wins, it's going to be close. Basically yeah, basically. Yeah. Basically how it's going to work. We'll see those playoff games like Kyle hinted at, the, uh, the uh, regular, regular, the, uh, the semifinals on December 28th with the uh, championship game presumably coming the week after that on the – Fourth, I would guess. So, they don't have it. Uh, no, it it waits for another week. Oh, is it going to be the eleventh? Yes. Oh, that's good. I'm busy on the night of the fourth, but not the eleventh. They get they get two weeks off. That's good. I like that. Do you know what else I like? Cyclone basketball wins. The way the way Cyclone basketball played this week, yes, that was a really good week for Cyclone basketball. You want to fill us in on everything that happened to you this week, Kyle? So yeah, it was a, it was a good week, but um, it started so it started out with um, a game against uh, uh, UMKC, um, and they let the Kangaroos hang in there for a little bit longer uh, than they probably should have. Uh, in this game um, until the Cyclones were really just able to kind of take over. Tyrese Halliburton had a very uh, uncharacteristic game for him um, in the sense that he did turn the ball over quite a bit uh, in that matchup against the uh, Kangaroos of uh, UMKC. The final score did end up being an 18-point win uh, for the Cyclones. They were able to hold him off. 
Uh, Tyrese Halliburton with the final stat line of 19.6 rebounds, seven assists, and three steals um, as to go along with one block. The Cyclones were woeful again from three-point range, but they did get to the free-throw line and were very, very successful there, shooting 22 of 26 from the free-throw line. Finally out-rebounded a team um, and just played great defense. Did have quite a few turnovers in the game uh, with 15, so that is something that they would like to limit going uh, forward in the season. Um, And going forward, they had a rematch, uh, a revenge game against uh, the Seton Hall Pirates coming into the game, ranked 16th in the AP Top 25. Um, They ended up winning the game by 10. It was a really great game in the second half as the scoring started to kick up a little bit, uh, pick up a little bit. It was absolutely atrocious basketball to watch yes in the first in the first 16 minutes of the game really uh in the first i think the at the uh under 12 timeout in the game uh both teams had more turnovers than made field goals um and it was just a great uh game to watch miles powell as well as tyrese halliburton uh both the leading scorers for both of these teams get after it. Um, Miles Powell for the Seton Hall Pirates did end up with 19 points, but he did foul out late in the game. Tyrese Halliburton with a great stat line, uh, 17 points, six rebounds, five assists. That means Tyrese Halliburton has had five assists in every single game this season, uh, which is leading Division I college basketball. Razier Bolton continues his hot play as he was named, uh, officially today, he was named Big 12 Newcomer of the Week. Uh, with his strong play coming out of the Bahamas. And again, this week, he put in 17 points uh, as well as eight rebounds, really getting after after it on the glass. Uh, he was 8 of 10 from the free throw stripe, so he's been shooting well for them. But the player of the game, in my opinion, was George Condit and his ability to bring intensity into this game every single time he steps on the floor, uh, just a ton of intensity. Every time he dunks the ball, it gets the crowd going. Uh, and he does it without points. getting teed up. You're right. Yeah. So that is great news. Problem. And the thing that I'm really just – the thing that I love watching with George Condit now is I really hope that he continues to grow and to uh, develop as a player this year, just a sophomore, because next year watching George Condit as well as Xavier Foster play alongside each other is going to be very, very fun basketball to watch. Must watch television every night. George Condit is also shooting the shooting free throws at an extremely high rate. He's shooting uh, nearly 80% on the season, which is amazing from a 6'10 guy. But he had it. He added another five blocks, uh, so he already has 25 blocks on the season, um, which is just a difference maker for the Cyclones. It was really something that they didn't have last year until late in the stretch when Condit started to play a little bit more. Um, it, but I think at some point in this season, you will see George Condit starting over Solomon Young. Solomon Young does have the ability to take up space down low. And Coach Prome has mentioned, as well as George Condit, that it's a lot different when you have Solomon Young. He takes up space, does a lot of physical things that you don't see in the box uh, in the box score at the end of the game. But for his size, he cannot seem to rebound the ball at an extremely high rate, as well as block out players that are much bigger than him. Um, so just 
I I foresee uh, George Condit becoming a starter for the Cyclones team and really starting to fuel their intensity as they go throughout the rest of the season as they begin to roll on towards conference play. But looking ahead... I agree. I don't think it'll be long before Condit replaces Young. I think he's going to stay with Young for a few more games because Coach Prohm does that. He doesn't like to mess with his lineup. Hence last year when he left Lindell Wigington on the bench even after he came back and probably was that team's best player. You can go back and listen to those episodes if you want me to hear me get upset about that. But he's pretty. He sticks to his starting lineup for a long time, so I wouldn't look for that change to come quickly. But I do think it'll come eventually if they keep playing like they're playing. Kanda just brings so much more energy to the floor than than Young does. It's true. But next up for the Cyclones, they do play on Thursday night, uh, December twelfth this week at eight p.m. Central. This game is going to be Hate Week uh, Part or Take Two on the hardwood. Uh, this game is going to be aired live on ESPN2, so another great outlet to get uh, Cyclone Nation in front of a national audience. Both teams are coming in at 6-3. and three. Um, Iowa started off a rough, or in a rough spot to start the season, uh, but now they've picked up some uh, tempo, some offense. Um, it'll be good to see uh, these teams square off, but I hope for Iowa State's sake that they are able to get a win against Iowa. It's you beat Iowa. Just yeah. beat Iowa, please. And this comes at a really weird point in the schedule for Iowa, too. This game is sandwiched or is, is coming off right at the end of two conference games for Iowa because the Big Ten does a weird thing where they play two conference games in December. So Iowa plays Minnesota tonight, Monday night, um, and then goes to Ames after that to take on the uh, the Cyclones. So it's a really weird stretch coming off some conference games right into the big rivalry game like that. It comes as an interesting point in the schedule. Iowa, I believe, will be slightly favored in this game. The line hasn't come out yet because Iowa um, still has a game to play before it gets there, so they won't put out a line until after Iowa plays today because of things like injuries, you know, like if Iowa Star gets injured there. Actually, no, Iowa State will probably be favored. BPI likes Iowa State. But anyway, the line will come out. Look for the line to come out tomorrow. It should be a good game. Iowa State being at home in a rivalry game helps. All the students are still in Ames, so Hilton will be rocking. It'll be sold out. So, Also, the Cyhawk battle in women's basketball is on Wednesday at Hilton Coliseum as well. So if you're in Ames, get out to those two basketball games and cheer on your Cyclones. It should be a high-scoring game as long as the Cyclones are able to put the ball in the hoop, which they struggled uh, with in the first half. That, that is uh, Iowa just want to score. Iowa just came off a loss where they gave up 103 points to Michigan, uh, the same Michigan team that Iowa State played really tough in the Bahamas. So it'll be interesting to see the outcome of this game. Beat Iowa. Beat Iowa. Beating Iowa. I don't like Iowa. Do you know who else I don't like? The Patriots and Tom Brady. The Patriots and Tom Brady. You got it. Yes. And I was actually cheering for the Chiefs this week, which is, I mean, Thank not you. abnormal, but it's not normal either. But they're playing the Patriots, so you have to root for them. And they came out on the right end. The Chiefs finally beat the Patriots, and they did it in Foxborough to boot. So and that's something that they doesn't did happen. It, you wanna... They did it with defense, too. They were able to pressure Tom Brady all game. The defensive line was phenomenal. Uh, Frank Clark played with the flu. Uh, He lost 12 pounds uh, throughout the week and was in the hospital, but 
uh, gutted it out to play. Um, wreaked havoc in the backfield on Tom Brady all, all game. Uh, ended up with a sack. I think four quarterback hurries, so he was always there. Uh, sack Nation was alive with Chris Jones getting a sack and uh, a pretty iconic picture of him sitting on top of Tom Brady getting up. Uh, but the defense was put in a situation on a fourth down, uh, fourth and three on the, I believe it was the six-yard line of the Patriots going in. The Patriots had had the opportunity to score. They ran their patented uh, pick route where they set where they run a pick route within one line of the or one yard of the line of scrimmage, so it's legal. But Tyron Matthew was able to back up and allow uh, Brashad Breland to have tight coverage on Julian Edelman. Just barely reaches around him, flicks the ball away with the tips of his fingers, incomplete. The Chiefs do end up winning this game. But pretty, it was primarily due to the pressure rate that Steve Spagnuolo in the uh, Kansas City defense was able to get on Tom Brady. Patriots were only 2 of 12 on third down, uh, which is something that the Chiefs struggled with last year in the AFC Championship game. Uh, if you remember that game, the, the Patriots in that game were 13 of 19 on third down for 68%. Uh, uh, this week, they were only 2 of 12 for 17%. So that was the big difference in the two seasons. The offseason acquisitions for the Chiefs did really pay off uh, in this game. Now, there were quite a few blown calls on both sides of the ball, which segments into why I'm pissed off this week is just because there have been way too many instances where I've seen games left up to NFL officiating. Games are decided at the end of the game based on how the officials have called the game throughout the entirety of the football game. Uh, the Saints have been uh, have had a lots of quite a few calls go against them. Um, this entire pass interference rule is completely whack. There's nothing that they can do. Uh, everything needs to end. The Patriots had a, quite a few blown calls. The Chiefs, uh, there was a roughing the passer uh, call that um, what Patrick Mahomes was clearly out of bounds. If it happened to Tom Brady, that person would have been fined and probably, and you know, with the league, they probably would have suspended him. Not actually, but it's just generally how it goes. So things need to end. Officials can't take control of a football game. That's just not how it work, needs to happen. Let them play. Don't blow calls dead before they should be dead. Just let them play. That's besides the point right now because the Chiefs do clinch the AFC West for the fourth straight season, which is awesome. Uh, now going with the term the West isn't enough uh, for the rest of the season. They can still clinch a first round bye uh, right now thanks to the Denver Broncos and Drew Luck beating the Houston Texans. The Chiefs have slid up into that third uh, overall spot in the AFC uh, nullifying the tiebreaker between the Texans and the Chiefs uh, since the Texans beat them head-to-head. -head. But if the Chiefs win out and the Pats lose at least one more game this season, let's go Bills, then the Chiefs can slide into that number two seed and potentially avoid the Ravens for as long as possible and get home and get that first round bye, which is crucial, and get home field advantage when they probably have to pay the pick play the Patriots for a second time this season. I mentioned the Saints earlier, and boy, the Saints and the 49ers game this week 
probably, in my opinion, was the greatest game uh, that was played in the NFL this season so far. It was an absolute phenomenal game. Just up and down the field, if you love offense, this was your game. There wasn't a whole lot of defense played besides some sacks. Um, just back and forth, Drew Brees at the end of the game was able to lead uh, a touchdown drive to go up with only a with I believe with under two minutes left in the game. They do end up trying to go for two to put the game up by three, uh, so that a field goal would only tie it. They do fail. Jimmy Garoppolo leads a uh, Long drive down the field where the New Orleans Saints can't tackle George Kittle, and he scrambles for 39 yards down the field, putting them in field goal range. And Robbie Gold, who's had some issues kicking the football this year, does get the San Francisco 49ers the uh, win and and puts them for now in the driver's seat for the number one overall seed in the NFC West. And it does drop the New Orleans Saints to the three seed. So... Just an absolute phenomenal game between both of these teams. Drew Brees and Jimmy Garoppolo were phenomenal. Yeah. Mike, do you want to talk about the Vikings? Yeah, I will definitely talk about the Vikings. My microphone was muted there. I was meant to be con- – I was, I, was, I was putting in little things like that whole time and didn't realize my microphone was muted until just now. When 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 I started talking and then Kyle tried to prompt me to do something again, I realized my microphone was muted. We're professionals here. Very much professionals. Saints that was Niners. a long explanation for you just to say, wow, I screwed up. I did screw up. I mean, I was just going to trim the silence. So now that you mentioned it, it's just going to stay in there. So yep, that's awkward. fine. That's fine. We're professionals. Anyway, the silence was probably more entertaining than that Vikings-Lions game on Sunday. That was probably the boringest win in Vikings history. Boringest? That, you mean the most boring? Is no, I mean the boringest. I mean the boringest, Kyle. That's okay. a word. Deal with it. All right. uh, I mean, the Vikings got out to an early lead and then just sort of bled the Lions to death. The, the Lions were never within striking distance. David Blau never really had a chance to uh, to get going. He did not uh, start the game as well as he did on Thanksgiving against the Bears, throwing a 75-yard touchdown. Not what he did against the Vikings. His first three passes were all incompletions. So the Vikings' defense uh, held the Lions in check. The offense rolled. They took care of business against a bad team, which is what they had to do to make the playoffs. But despite all of that, their odds of making the playoffs actually went down significantly um, this week. The Bears win over the Cowboys on Thursday, along with the Rams crushing the Seahawks on Sunday Night Football. Really changed the way that um, this playoff picture looks in the NFC. I mean... Going into the week, it looked like it was more or less decided what six teams were going to make it in. But now the Rams are only a game behind the Vikings, and the Bears are only two games back. And now the the San Francisco 49ers are back as the number one seed now in the NFC, with the Packers as the two, the Saints as the three, the Cowboys at, what, six and seven are still sitting at the four, with... uh, with now Seattle at the five and Minnesota at the six, with the Rams only a game back. Um, so the Vikings could go from anywhere from the two seed here at one point all the way down to finishing in that six seed. 
or even not making the playoffs if they play poorly down the stretch. So the Vikings are in a very precarious situation. I mean, I like the chances. If you take care of business against uh, the Chargers in Los Angeles and then the Bears in um, Week 17, it doesn't really matter what you do against the Packers as far as making the playoffs is concerned. Um, so the real key for the Vikings is just take care of business, uh, business against the bad teams. And uh, maybe you need some help from the Bears or Lions if you're going to catch the Packers for the division. But it is possible if they win out and the Packers were to lose to the Bears or Lions as well as the Vikings. So good week for the Vikings themselves, but bad week for the Viking for the Vikings' playoff hopes as they went down significantly with the Rams and Bears win. But we'll see. Keep playing another week. Keep getting more data points. And we'll go forward from there to see uh, how it happens. Should be a fun last three weeks in the NFL with lots of playoff spots still up for grabs. With only, what, I think two playoff spots completely decided at this point? Three. The Ravens, Chiefs, and Saints are locked into playoff spots. All the other spots are still up for grabs. So should should be fun last three weeks. That's the way the NFL wants it. Lots of playoff spots up for grabs in the last couple weeks. They're, they're getting what they want with all these late-season division games. So, they're doing good. But anyway, speaking of the NFL, we have our stupid rule for the week came out of the NFL, and it came out of that amazing game that Kyle was talking about between the Saints and the 49ers. Um one of them ran a fake punt uh, during the game. I know, Wyatt, you're a big fan of fake punts, so you'll the, probably like the this. The Saints. Yep. And um, so basically what happened is the the gunner on the punt, right? The gunners are the people who are, like, way outside and are the first people running down to uh, try to go tackle the punt returner, right? So on the fake punt, what happened is the defender, right, just, like, tackled the gunner and, like, blew him up and, you know, held him. Okay, sorry. He didn't actually tackle him. He just, like, was bear-hugging him all the way down the field. Right. Anyway, so, right, you might think because the fake punt was a pass that that's pass interference, right? Actually, no. So the rule stipulates that the farthest player outside on a fake, on a punt can never be a pass. You can never have pass interference defending the outermost person on a punt. Because right, because it's their job to just run downfield, and you're trying to block them, and you're not don't have any reason to suspect they're going to do anything other than tackle your punt returner, right? There is no pass interference for interfering with those players. That's why there was not a flag thrown in that situation, because you cannot interfere with a pass, uh, get called for pass interference when you're defending the gunner on a punt, fake punt. There you have it. That is your stupid rule for the week. Did that make sense to everybody? It did. And so just a clarification, you can have holding, but it is very rare to have holding in that case as they're generally just blocking them. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, you, yeah, you could have holding on a regular punt. You see that every, every often, every so often, I should say, but it's not, not common. That's not the most common penalty on punt returns by any means. That would be illegal block in the back. Most common penalty on punt returns, fun fact. Because you've got people who are running backwards or running behind. You know what I mean. People people run backwards on punt plays? Uh, Sometimes the punt returner runs backwards. 
The Packers are averaging negative one yard per punt return this year. Fun fact, they have been running backwards on punts a lot. Don't don't average negative yards on your punt return because you can just fair catch it every time and average zero yards. So there's no reason to average negative yards on punt returns on there. I'd suggest just like catching it and or just turning around and running for it. Just run forward. Just don't run backwards. Don't try to turn don't try to turn a three yard gain into a twenty yard gain, but actually turn it into a four yard loss. Just take the three yards and be happy. Yeah. That's what you're saying? Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm in favor of that. I'm in favor of that. Anyway, enough talk about punts and more talk about write that down predictions because we've gotten to that point in our podcast. We had five predictions come off the board. One prediction from each of us, plus Kyle had a second one because he's lame. Um, the first prediction to have come off the board. Yes, Kyle, you were lame for that prediction because it was a bunt single and you didn't deserve it. The first prediction to have come off the board uh, Kyle predicted a few weeks ago that uh, Brees Hall would be first team All Big 12 as a running back. He was actually second team All Big 12, not first. So for that, Kyle gets a nah, nah. He should have been first team. Puka Williams is trash. I mean, moving on. Yeah, but he wasn't. Puka Williams and then Tuba Hubbard, of course, like we said. Um, I had predicted. Um, before Minnesota played Iowa, that the Gophers would go to a New Year's Six Bowl. They ended up going to the Outback Bowl, playing Auburn. Still a very respectable bowl game. And if I would have just left it at the Gophers would go to a New Year's Bowl game, I would have been right, because it is played on January 1st, but I went as far as saying a New Year's Six Bowl game, which they didn't make. So for that, I get a nah. Nah. Wyatt predicted that Iowa State would go to the Camping World Bowl, which for some reason we gave him a home run for. Can, do you remember why we gave him a home run for that, Kyle? I didn't even fight for it. Because at the time, at the time we had we there, we thought there was no way Oklahoma was going to make the college football playoff, even though we should have figured that there was a way. And yeah, it's it yeah you got lucky. It on turned that into run. a mess. You got lucky on that home run. You shouldn't have gotten it, but you did. We can't take it back. So why it's a ding 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 ding. For his home run. Um, one prediction came off the board from Josh. He had an off-the-record uh, prediction. He said that Alan Lazard, after having a big game um, two weeks ago, would have another big game and have over 100 yards receiving against the Washington Redskins this week. He had only like 20-some yards receiving. That's less than 100. So for that, Josh gets a nah. Nah. Thank you. I was waiting for Wyatt to do it, and then he just didn't. So I, think I did. They... I did mine first. No, you didn't. I did. I went, nah. You were kind of quiet. No, no, I was not. I didn't hear it. We're having muting microphone issues today, apparently. We'll be better next week. Anyway, last prediction to come off the board is the one that Kyle got lucky that we even let on the board, predicting that Iowa State would beat UMKC and Seton Hall this week in basketball. As we talked about earlier, they did do that, and we did let him put it on the board. So for that, Kyle gets a ding, 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 yay! And speaking of Kyle, as always, he will lead us off with our um, predictions for this week. What do you got for us, Kyle? Before before that, I'm going to take us off topic for a second because I forgot to mention this earlier. So the Chiefs almost had to forfeit the game against the New England Patriots. If you all aren't weren't aware of this, 
the Chiefs uh, gear for the game was somehow, some way sent to New Jersey because they were not playing the Giants or the Jets instead of New England. So they had to fly a plane to New Jersey, collect all the gear, and get it to the stadium within enough time. Otherwise, the Chiefs would have been forced to forfeit that game, which would have been very disappointing since they ended up winning. That's that besides would have been the a story. Point. Yeah, that would have been a huge story. Um, it was Bill Belichick back to his old tricks. Anyway, <laughs> for this week, I predict that Clemson in their game against Ohio State in the college football playoff, they will win by 17 or more points. More blowouts like there were last year in the playoffs? Can we not have those, please? None of those games are entertaining. I want entertaining football games. I care who wins less than that the games are entertaining. Double. Um, what? Double, triple, triple. I'm triple. triple. 17 ah. is a lot. 17 is quite a bit for a team that's only favored to win by what? Two or three, Mike? The line has yeah. been favored by two. It'll be a bait. My guess is it'll come to about a pick 'em game when uh, the lines close on the 28th. Okay, I'm going fine. with triple. Fine. I think my, my double came from mostly my dislike of the Buckeyes. But. That's fair. But they're a really good football team, you have to admit. I know. They did yep. lose. So. All right. Triple. Mike, what you got? I have that the SEC will be below 500 in bowl games this year. I hope so. I hate the SEC. That is what I got. They're in nine bowl games, so they can only win four. And they're favored in... Eight of those nine bowl games. Eight of the nine games. Triple. Texas A&M, Oklahoma State. LSU favored over Oklahoma. Mississippi State favored over Louisville. Florida favored over Virginia. The one that they're not favored in, Virginia Tech, is favored over Kentucky. Auburn is favored over Minnesota. Alabama is favored over Michigan. Georgia is favored over Baylor. And Tennessee is favored over Indiana. Um, is that triple criteria? Yes. Is it? I could do I'm, some statistics, but I didn't have enough time. I'm not. Like, like in my head, it's one of those things that at first glance you feel like it's triple. But when you actually divvy it out, it's actually more double territory. But... I guess I'm easily swayed today. I mean, Kyle says a triple. That's fine, I guess. All right, I'll take triple. You're sw- you were thinking double because you hate the SEC. Yeah, probably. I'm extremely biased. I hate the SEC. I'm going to pull out. Is there anybody out... you do like besides the Cyclones? Um, yeah, else? most teams that uh, – see, I like the ACC besides Alabama. They're in the SEC. Well, yeah, Alabama's in the SEC. <laughs> shoot, I mean, shoot. <laughs> Sorry, I like the eight. <laughs> Whatever. I quit. I quit. I didn't have lunch today, and I can't think. I quit. I'm going to put my prediction on the board so I can take a nap. <laughs> or anyway, what is your bed. prediction? My prediction is your standard Wyatt prediction that a safety occurs during the Camping World Bowl. Because I want a safety. Triple home run. I mean, it's not going to happen. It's just straight up not going to happen, which is fine. But I want it to happen. I think Again, we gave a home run for this similar prediction last year. Let me go back and consult the spreadsheet. Please consult. I can't just control F for safety because Wyatt has it on here so many times. Look at that safety in the Super Bowl. 
We gave him a oh I didn't write it down. Shoot, I didn't write down <laughs> the places that wrong predictions got last year. Just that correct predictions got. So I don't know what we gave it last year. What do you think, Kyle? Home run or triple? I said triple. Okay, we'll just do triples to make all three of our predictions triples. That should definitely be on. Do it for the symmetry. It's not going to happen, so it won't matter. Yeah, you're right. So, do we have anything from Josh this week? Josh has predicted that the winner of the NFC East, either the Eagles or Cowboys, will have a below 500 record. Both of them currently sit at 6 and 5. Nope. The Eagles are 5-7 and because they're playing on Monday Night Football as we record on Monday night. But yeah, look, yeah, sorry. The, the Cowboys are 6-7. and seven. The Eagles will probably be 6-7 and seven if they can beat the Giants. Um, the Cowboys play the Rams, the Eagles, and somebody else who I can't remember off the, the top Eagles, of my head. The Eagles play the Redskins, the Cowboys, and the Giants again. Yes. So that means the Cowboys' last game is probably the Redskins because – the last week is almost always division games. Yep. And if the Eagles and Giants are playing, that means the Cowboys and Redskins are playing. Um, so that means you expect both teams to yeah, lose. Dallas, Dallas gets the Redskins. Yep. That means – so you'd expect Dal- have to have Dallas lose two of the Rams, Eagles, and Redskins. And you'd have to have the Eagles – win less than three of Giants, Redskins, Eagle, or Giants, Redskins, Cowboys, and Giants again. I think one of those is going to get to eight wins. I do too, because they play such poor opponents going down the stretch. Because that division is poor. So, Triple? Probably. Sure. We'll do all triples. More symmetry. I like it. All triples. (laughs) All triples for our And with that, we have more triples on this podcast than most teams had triples in baseball this season. Uh, Is that true? Now I'm going to make me look it up. You can look that up while I still stew in my thoughts that I thought that Alabama was in the ACC for God knows what reason. I know they're not. I figured saying that would actually sound really cool. You should feel shame for that. You should. I don't want triples per game. Why on earth would I want triples per game? Why not? Who cares about that? Why would I have to? Why would I want to do that'd that? Be now? A, that'd be a very low number. Uh, also, Kyle, you are very, very much wrong. Ah. Uh, yeah. No. No. You're very much wrong by that. Almost it sounded cool. That. Yeah. It, but it, it was wrong. Like, no. So, ending it, the podcast on a great note. Kyle's wrong. That is the best way to end the podcast. That is one of the best ways. And you know that we're at the end of the podcast because we just put up all four of our Write That Down predictions up on our Write That Down predictions board. So after doing that, that means we're at the end of the Write That Down predictions segment, which means that we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to the 8311Cast episode 59. Make sure you check us out on Instagram at 8311Cast. Don't just like our pictures. Also follow us too. Signing off for the 8311Cast, we have your hosts... Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. Until we next week. That Alabama was in the SC, in the ACC. Who also and you didn't realize that the uh, lead trailer for triples in the MLB still had seventeen. And Mike's making up words on this episode. And forgot to unmute my mic. Yep. Professionals.
Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. <laughs>